0: life and immortality how are those two attributes related and can we apply those attributes to god when we're describing god we're going to talk about that today and a lot more on bible study org starting now
1: very serious
0: Hello everybody and welcome once again to BibleStudyPodcast.org. Today is Thursday, April 23rd of 2009, and I'm your host as always, Toby Logsdon. And welcome to our next lesson in our series called Knowing God. And of course, the purpose of this series of this study is to determine and discuss what we can know about God based on both reason and scripture. So, welcome you guys. I'm so glad to have you guys here with us, and of course, this is our first uh, lesson on Thursdays. We've uh, we've moved our apologetics lessons, at least temporarily, from Wednesdays to Thursdays. So hopefully that didn't trip anybody up. Uh, you guys probably knew that this was coming because uh, I told you guys last week, and maybe even the week before. So anyway, hope you guys are having a fantastic week. Yes, I did get over my head cold that I had uh, this past Monday. And to those of you who wrote to me, uh, sending your best wishes for me to get feeling better. Thank you so much. I do appreciate it. And I do appreciate your prayers, you guys. Thank you very much. Uh, I just have a praise report today for our announcements. And that is that this week, Bible Study Podcasts passed our 2.5 million download mark. Uh, We've been tracking downloads for less than two years. So that all happened in less than two years. Um, Praise the Lord. Uh, Because the glory is all due to him I know there are a lot more interesting guys to listen to out there than me So, uh, you know, it has nothing to do with me It's all for God's glory So praise the Lord and thank you guys for making us one of the top Christian and apologetic podcasting ministries in the world Uh, We're listened to by uh, over 60 countries a month Amazing Just never saw this coming Anyway, uh, let's go ahead and get started with today's lesson with a quick word of prayer Father God, first of all, we just thank you so much for this time where we can get to know you better, where we can uh, consider what we can know about you based on reason and your word as revealed in scripture. Lord, we thank you so much for this ministry. Uh, We thank you, Lord, that this ministry has survived this long. I know a lot of ministries don't last this long, uh, but you have provided for us, Lord, and we thank you for that. You've kept us going, and uh, the glory is all due to you. So, Lord, we just pray that you'll uh, continue to, uh, to be with us and to teach us more about you, to draw us closer to you, to make us more like you, because we understand you better. Be with us today, Lord, as we learn more about you, and may you be glorified in this lesson. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're continuing to talk about God's non-moral attributes in this lesson. And you know, when we're talking about God's non-moral attributes, and by the way, we've got two left before we move on to his moral attributes. So, hang in there. But anyway, when we're talking about God's non-moral attributes, there are two basic attributes which we might be tempted to overlook or maybe take for granted, more or less, and that is the fact that God is living and that he's immortal. A non-living God isn't worthy of, uh, of praise, of adoration, of worship, or any of those things because he wouldn't be around to enjoy it or to receive it. So, the attributes of being a living and immortal God are, um, are very—they're very similar. You know, obviously God couldn't be immortal if He was not also living, and so thus God's immortality is the word used to communicate that God is not only living uh, in the here and now, but also that He eternally lives. So let's start out this lesson with just a a quick discussion about what it means when we say that God is a living God, and then we'll move on to his immortality. Well, when we speak of God being living, we mean that he is life. Not only is he alive uh, and he's active, but he's also the source of of all other life. Life is part of his divine essence. He is life, while other things that are living have life. Well, how is it that anything else has life? It's because God has given that life to them. And further, life involves action when we're talking about God, both the ability and the desire to act. And so, because we believe that God is living, we believe that he has both the ability and the desire. To be active. Now, of course, the Bible refers to God as living numerous times in both the Old and New Testaments. In Numbers chapter 14 verse 28, uh, we find God speaking to Moses and Aaron, and He says, uh, "Say to them, that is the people of Israel, as I live." says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will surely do to you. In Joshua chapter 3 verse 10, Joshua proclaims to the sons of Israel, he says, By this you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will assuredly dispossess from before you the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Hivite, the Perizzite, the Girgashite, the Amorite, and the Jebusite. That's a lot of sights. And of course, the fact that he would go on to, uh, to carry through with this promise was proof. It was evidence to the sons of Israel and to us that he was a living God. Uh, a dead God would be incapable of doing anything to help. Israel in battle, right? So, anyway. In Psalm chapter 42, verse 2, the psalmist writes, My soul thirsts for God, the living God. In Psalm 84, verse 2, we read, My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 10 says, The Lord is the true God, He is the living God, the eternal King. In Daniel chapter 6 verse 20, King Darius comes to the lion's den, uh, that Daniel was thrown into the day before. And upon arriving there, he cries out, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you constantly serve, been able to deliver you from the lions? And that's, you know, that's the Old Testament. The, the New Testament also refers to God as living. Uh, when asked who he thought Jesus was, Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the Living God. That's Matthew chapter 16 verse 16. Uh, at the temple of Zeus in Acts chapter 14, the priest of Zeus was preparing a sacrifice. And uh, so what did Paul and Barnabas do? They uh, they respond by tearing their robes and crying out, men, why are you doing these things? We are also men of the same nature as you and preach the gospel to you, that you should turn from these vain things to a living God. That's in verse 15 of chapter 14 of Acts. And of course, the implication there is that Zeus is, uh, well, he's not a god at all, but they were serving a dead god and Paul and Barnabas were offering them the chance to worship the living god. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 16, Paul writes that quote, "We are the temple of the living God." In 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 10, Paul writes, "We have put our hope in the living God who is the savior of all men and especially those who believe." Uh, The author of Hebrews also wrote that, quote, You have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. That's Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22. So, you know, clearly the Bible, both the Old and New Testament, uh, the Bible proclaims the Judeo-Christian God, Jehovah, as a living God. But the Bible also refers to God as being the source of life for all living things. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 21, we read, God created every living and moving thing with which the water teems according to their kinds. In Genesis chapter 7, verse 4, God tells Noah, uh, For after seven more days I will send rain on the earth forty days and forty nights, and I will blot out from the face of the land every living thing that I have made. So he gave them life. And then we read uh, the follow-up to that in Genesis chapter 7, verse 24, which says, Thus he, that is God, Blotted out every living thing that was upon the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things and to the birds of the sky, and they were blotted out from the earth, and only Noah was left, together with those that were put with him in the ark. So God was going to blot out everything that He had made, and everything got blotted out. So the implication there is that God made every living thing. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 39, records God saying, There is no God besides me. I put to death and I bring to life. I have wounded and I will heal, and no one can deliver out of my hand. And you know, as the source of life, God is also able to resurrect, to resurrect the dead, right? The first indication of this uh, was recorded in the book of Job, which is actually very likely uh, the first book of the Bible to be written, uh, written before Moses, probably. But anyway, in Job chapter 19, verses 25 and 26, Job proclaims and he prophesies. He says, I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God, And of course, we also know that Jesus was able to resuscitate Lazarus. I mean, he he resurrected him, but it was really more of a resuscitation, and I say resuscitate because when we're resurrected, uh, it will be forever, while Lazarus would ultimately go on to experience death a second time in his life. But, you know, the Bible also proclaims God's word as being a living word. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, for example, we read, "...the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart." Well you know, both logically and theologically god 's life flows necessarily from his necessity uh, that 's of course one of the attributes that we 've already studied and you know we always look at uh, the other attributes which lead to the attribute that we 're looking at well you know god 's life flows necessarily from his necessity uh, that which is necessary must exist for contingent things to exist. Everything in the universe is contingent, and thus it 's necessary that god be living. And further, God must be life in order to give life, since he cannot give what he doesn't already have. Uh, There's a basic philosophical principle here that all effects are found in their cause. Secondly, God's aseity, the fact that he is uncaused and self-existent, that leads to the fact that he is living. Nothing can move without being moved by a mover, and it's logically impossible to have an infinite sequence of movers, and so thus there must be a first, unmoved mover. And as one might expect, Christians have always affirmed that God is a living God. Uh, Irenaeus wrote that Life does not arise from us, nor from our own nature, but it is bestowed according to the grace of God. Augustine wrote that, Neither the whole universe, with its frame, figures, qualities, and ordered movement, all the elements and bodies arranged in the heavens and on earth, nor any life can have existence apart from him, whose existence is simple and indivisible. For in God, being is not one thing and living another, as though he could be and not be living. Anselm wrote that, quote, God is the very life by which he lives, end quote. Uh, Thomas Aquinas, my favorite philosopher, my favorite theologian, he wrote that, quote, in him, that is in God, principally is life. God has life most perfect and eternal, since his intellect is most perfect and always in act. End quote. So clearly, uh, you know, God is a living God. The Bible affirms it. Christians have always affirmed it. Uh, God is a living God. But not only is He living, but because He is infinite and eternal in His nature, He is infinitely and eternally living. In other words, he is immortal. See, this, that's the link, that's the connection between uh, life and immortality. Uh, the term immortal literally means without death, or um, you know, without end, and it also means imperishable. While the specific term or the idea of immortality is most commonly attributed to God, it's also occasionally used in reference to human beings. So because he is life eternal, he can give eternal life life and the bible clearly affirms god's immortality in verses like 1st timothy chapter 1 verse 17 which says now to the king eternal immortal invisible the only god be honor and glory forever and ever amen Paul also refers to God being immortal when he writes, Who alone is immortal, and who lives in unapproachable light whom no one has seen or can see? That's in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 16. And then in his letter to the Romans, Paul wrote that humanity, quote, exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles course, that's Romans chapter 1, verse 23. Well, you know, God also gives immortality. Paul writes in Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 10 that, quote, it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. This, of course, is eternal life, which is a term that we find several times in the New Testament, and we're all probably familiar with. Uh, John three sixteen, which is probably the most Uh, widely known verse of the Bible, of course, says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. In John chapter 5, verse 24, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who has sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. They have crossed over from death to life. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 46, Jesus is contrasting those who will uh, experience heaven with those who will experience eternity in hell, and says that the wicked, quote, will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. And Paul also writes of eternal life. In Romans chapter 6, verse 23, he writes, quote, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Well, you know, God's immortality also flows logically from uh, several of his attributes that we've already studied. First of all, it flows logically from his pure actuality. God has no potential to be that which he already is not. So since he is already living, he has no potential to not live. And so thus, because God is pure actuality, he is immortal. Secondly, because God is necessary, he must logically be immortal. A necessary being cannot not exist, if anything else exists. Uh, Third, God's immortality flows logically and necessarily from his eternity. That which is non-temporal has no beginning or end. And so thus, God must be immortal since he is eternal and since he has no end. Uh, Fourth, God's omnipotence allows for God to be immortal. He'll never run out of energy. He'll never run out of the ability to be active since he has and is infinite power. Uh, And this also leads us to conclude that God is necessarily immortal. And we should note before we continue that immortality, when used in reference to human beings, shouldn't be confused with plato's understanding of immortality. Uh, you know the Platonic understanding of immortality was basically that uh, the human soul was immortal, but Christianity affirms that the whole person is immortal, both body and soul are immortal in our resurrected state and it's you know no surprise that the Christian Church has held God to be immortal and the giver of eternal life since its foundation in the first century. Ignatius wrote that quote, that which is promised to us is life eternal which cannot be corrupted. Justin Martyr spoke of God as quote, a God unconquerable and indestructible. Augustine wrote that, quote, No one is saved by the Father without the Son and the Holy Spirit, or by the Son without the Father and Holy Spirit, or by the Holy Spirit without the Father and the Son, but by the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the only one true and truly immortal, absolutely unchangeable God. The Christian God is living and active, both now and forever. Scripture affirms it. uh, Logic affirms it. Uh, the history of theology affirms that the Christian God is living and active now and forever and so thus we can't develop an exhaustive list of God's attributes without including the fact that God is both life and immortal life and it's only because God is life and immortality that he can give these attributes as a gift to his creation what an awesome thing to be thankful for so anyway, I hope that that makes it clear for you guys. And of course, I didn't want to skip over this attribute. Like I said, uh, you know, it's tempting to skip over it because we kind of take it for granted, but we can't do that. Uh, we can't take anything for granted, especially if we want to be able to communicate this to other people, uh, particularly non-believers. Uh, we want to have the fullest understanding of God that we can possibly have. So anyway, if you guys have any questions, you can email me at cleanslate.ministries at hotmail.com. I do want to remind you guys that if you don't have me on your Facebook or MySpace networks, you can add me by doing a search for cleanslate.ministries at hotmail.com. Those of you on Facebook especially, I'm on there more often, you all get to see what I'm doing kind of on a daily basis. And uh, you know, I'm more than happy to interact with you guys. In fact, I enjoy that. So anyway, God bless you guys and thank you so much for joining us today. I'll see you next time on Bible Study podcast.org
1: keep growing closer to jesus This lesson has been brought to you by biblestudypodcast.org, a para ministry of Clean Slate Evangelical Ministries, which is a nonprofit listener supported ministry based in Monroe, North Carolina. While our desire is that your primary giving be done with your local church, if the Lord is leading you to support our ministry, we do depend on your support to keep our ministry going and growing. If you feel the Lord calling you to support our ministry, you can go to BibleStudyPodcast.org and click on support on the right-hand side. You can make a tax-deductible donation from there. By doing so, you'll be helping us to reach multitudes of people each and every month from around the world who, just like yourself, desire to find answers and meaning in Scripture. We thank you for listening today, and we pray that the Lord blesses you and draws you closer to Him. Keep growing closer to Jesus.